welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I am one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host James. Hello! And today we're talking about volume 8 of To Your Eternity. For us, we actually recorded the previous discussion for volume 7 yesterday, so we we're having like a little bit of an intense week, but um, <laughs> we're going to be uploading, you know, regularly, like with a week's interval, but... Uh, but yes, uh, I have uh, not waited too long to read this book, and n neither have you, but but I'm still very excited to talk about it. It's a really good one. Like, mm. I, the story is getting very juicy, yes. but we're, we're, uh, we are in the plot. <laughs> this could be one of my favorites so far, to be honest. Oh, really? Nice. I'm super happy to hear that. Cool. Uh, great. Well, uh, and I, I look forward to hearing your reasons for that, I guess, as we go through the discussions. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome. So let's start with Fushi, yes as we usually do. And something I thought was interesting in regards to what we talked about for the previous book was sort of Fushi's potential relationship with Kahaku, which we talked about last time. And mm -hmm. what was interesting in pretty much the very beginning of this book, it seemed like Fushi sort of lost some trust in Kahaku. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when, when he learned that the Guardians had stolen Tonari's diary from him. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, obviously, that wasn't Kahaku himself who did that. Like, he personally wasn't right. guilty of it. So, like, yeah. But but there, there were other little incidents that happened throughout this book uh, between these two characters. And I was just curious to hear kind of what do you think at this point, like after having read Volume 8, what do you think of the of their potential friendship moving forward? Oh, their friendship moving forward? Um, so, I guess I'll just that. And I, I don't think it's broken. I, I think there is a bit of trust that was lost after everything that's happened. Mm. Uh, a, a bit. I, Fushi does say that he doesn't view, or she, or whatever, doesn't view Kahaku as a bad person. Right. Um. And I think that there was just a moment of, well, I, I just think that Kahaku lost a bit of a control yeah. at one point, and that hurt Fushi, similar to how I guess Gugu and and him had a fight way Fair. back when. Right. That that that's a good point. But as to where we go from here, it's hard to say. And this leads to the other thing I want to talk about is Fushi's. Uh, kind of well he had he had a few things that he was trying to understand but one of the main things he was trying to understand this volume was love and uh yeah i, I want to know what love is i want you to show me like <laughs> I kinda, when i was writing my notes that that song came, came in my head <laughs> yeah and you know he was he was asking a few people about it or well particularly when bon brought up the fact that he he should find a sweetheart mm. Um, and that got him thinking about about that. And so, based off of that, this whole Kahaku thing, who's very much into Fuji, very much so, yeah, it kind of does potentially lead it that way. Especially since Bon is, it could potentially be be uh, preoccupied with someone else. To, yeah. Potentially, I mean, we'll get to that later. But I, I don't think Bon at this point it would be a romantic interest for Fushi and not and I'm still not exactly sure Fushi is quite ready yet to be romantically interested in someone right um 
but I, I do think that love wise, like understanding what love is, not just romantically speaking, uh, but just love in general, I think he will come to know that better by by the end of this arc, I guess. Exactly. Or at least by the at least in relation to Kahaku and Bone and all them. Yeah. Yeah, at least if, if the story continues, you know, with these themes of love, which this book absolutely, as you said, uh, mm-hmm. explored. But there's also the issue where we saw Fushi feeling literally sick uh, in in these romantic <laughs> situations where when he's in somebody else's body, like he didn't feel like and just make it clear, I I'm using male pronouns for Fushi just kind of sort of sort of consistently just to because make it easier. Uh, par- partially to make it easier, but also because he he also has made it clear. I think what it was in the previous book where he said that he he felt the most himself while in the boy's form. Um, yeah, and he did he did say that he had spent most time more time as a boy, I guess. That, that too. Yeah. At one point this volume, I think. So maybe mm. that. Anyway, okay. So that's fine. That, that, that's just how I choose to deal with that sure. per- personally. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, like I'm, I'm not saying either way is wrong or right. But no, I understand. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. about being in other people's bodies while in these situations of like romantic situations, it didn't quite sit right with Fushi because, well, I, I think for reasons that I can absolutely understand. Like it just doesn't feel right to mm. use somebody else's body in that kind of way like even if it's just a hug but if it's like a romantic mm-hmm. kind of hug like it's it makes it complicated um and really mm-hmm. all of his forms that he has all of his bodies that he can take the shape of actually well they, they actually belong to other people so that makes it very right. complicated for him so i wonder like how that's going to continue uh, assuming he mm. ever falls in love and wants to you know have romance with somebody how will he deal with that Mm -hmm. i wonder yeah i you bring up a good question and i didn't think about this till now but i guess there could be the possibility possibility he eventually down the line is able to create a unique body for himself i don't know why or how but maybe that could be something and yeah that way he could feel hey this is me and i don't have to use the bodies of the people I know, right. uh, other, other people's bodies. Mm. That said, uh, I th- we can't. That's so far out. I think, well, maybe so far because you just never know how the story will go. But I, that's just not in the realm of possibility at this point. So, I think that it would just have to be a body that he's the most comfortable being, mm. and it probably would be the the boy body. I think so too. Can't really. I can't really see it being. Anybody else, uh, and it, it and it seems to apply in this volume that he very much still feels the will of the person that he he he's, I guess, using their body. You know, right? Yeah. Although I I could also see it kind of in general. Uh, even if it's not in their physical form, he can still sort of maintain their will regardless of the form he's in. I I, I That's think. That's true too. I think we've I think we've seen that in the earlier volumes. I think so. Mm. So yeah, uh, I guess I guess hard to say what romance could look like for for Fushi if he's able 
ever able to find it or desire it. Yeah. But at the very least, he is curious about it. And, and I think that that's part of becoming human, part of growing up mm. uh, is discovering or at least toying with the feel- these feelings of romance. And Absolutely. I would be surprised if the story went that way. Uh, who knows when, but and maybe it's with these characters. I don't know. Right. Exactly. Who knows? But he, he did fall in love with the doll. <laughs> <laughs> Help me understand that. Was uh-huh. that just like love as in, oh my gosh, March would love this thing. And that was just feelings that he had because he was in Perona's body. Or did he actually just be like, oh my gosh, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I want to marry it. Kind of, kind of a, obviously Mary wouldn't be on his mind, but. I don't know, just, you know how you look at, you know how you look at a waifu, like, we look at Perona, it's like, oh, that's really cute, yeah, I, I want yeah. to protect it. I can totally, I can totally see it being a bit of both those, both of those things. Obviously, yeah. I, I don't think Fushi has quite understood what love is completely yet, especially yeah. since when he read that book, which supposedly was very much about real love, um, he, he, he said that he thought what he felt toward that doll was the same thing, which obviously mm. ca- kind of can't be the case, really. Um, <laughs> so, w- w- considering different that... for different folks, man. True, fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, I don't think he quite knows what real love is yet. Yeah. And probably because he hasn't experienced it himself. I, I don't think anyone can actually really understand love until they actually feel it themselves. It's um, a good point. So it's a good point. Yeah, but definitely, you know, about March. You know, knowing that March would right like that doll was probably also a part of it. You know, you know, I, I part of me wondered if that interaction with Fushi and the doll, and how both uh, Kohaku and or Kahaku, excuse me, I can't want to say Kohaku. Yeah, me too. Kohaku <laughs> and Bone. Inter- or, or interpret that interaction. Kahaku's kind of sees it. Oh yeah, there's totally a feminine side to her. And, right. <laughs> but Bone, on the other hand, maybe and maybe it's because he's able to see the spirits around Fushi. He kind of understands what Fushi's really getting at with the doll, potentially. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I it's it, it, to me. I I wonder if it was just showing the difference of Bon and Kahaku and how they understand Fushi. And that maybe Bon is a little closer to understanding Fushi than Kahaku is. Perhaps, yeah. I don't I don't know. Not not in a, not in like a romantic way or anything like that, <laughs> but just as a being, Fushi as a being. For sure. Yeah, I I do think Bon, I mean, we're going to talk more about him later, but speaking about this, mm-hmm. I do think Bon does have a good ability to understand people. That's true too. You know, so I I think I think there's something to that, for sure. Uh, uh, one more thing I'll say about this this romance part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know you know the saying where the worst she can say is no. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, uh, I I think for in Kahaku's case, you know, the worst she can do is throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did feel sorry for him there. I didn't really. <laughs> uh, I I definitely did. <laughs> 
Uh, I'll say why later on, but right for sure, for sure. I just thought I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean it was it was good. It was it was a great great moment. <laughs> but moving on with other other Fushi parts here, we did learn that Fushi has sort of been thinking about giving in to the knockers if an, if another person he loves should die. And mm-hmm. I think his it, it's kind of been building up to this. I feel like ever since Volume Four, it's really been like. His kind of depression has sort of gotten worse. I I feel throughout these couple of books. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the equivalent of ending your life, right? I mean, for sure, absolutely. For Fuji, it is because the knockers are really the only thing that can make him not exist anymore. Sort of, at least as far as we know. Yeah. Um. So it's really sad to see that. However, uh, what I thought was really nice that kind of felt a bit more positive that we saw toward the end of this book was how he, because, you know, he was uh, imprisoned in this dense iron cage. And Mm -hmm. while there, he didn't give up for one second to try to get out of there. Uh, He, he consistently fought to, to get out and to fight on and to, to rescue and to help out the people, the others out outside. I thought seeing that to me kind of proved that that he still has something to live for, and that he 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 yeah. isn't completely, uh, you know, done for yet. Yeah. So I I thought that 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 was a really positive thing, kind of to end the book on. So I I really like that. He definitely hasn't given up. For sure. Speaking of that Iron Cage part, by the way, I thought that was really, really terrifying. First of all, uh, and but but also like awesome to see how he was able to escape by like generating mm-hmm. molten iron uh, to escape like that. And yeah, that's got to be one of the worst worst deaths imaginable. Yeah, you know, being in that cage and then have molten iron poured on you like if you don't die from lack of oxygen you die from the molten lava right molten iron yeah it was yeah like so like yeah like even if it doesn't result in death like just that as as torture must be just Mm -hmm. unbearable like as as the beholder was narrating it he he said that he would wake up every six minutes i think at the in the beginning uh and then just kind of lose consciousness after two taking two breaths and then wake up mm-hmm. after six minutes but toward the end he would only be unconscious for like nine seconds so his regenerative powers like improved a lot while going through that um so i i thought that was also pretty cool to to learn yeah for sure and i guess the payoff at the end i, I mean never wanted him to go through stuff like that but mm. in the end he's able to produce molten iron Exactly. I mean, that's going to be incredibly useful, besides being, as you mentioned, as resilient as he's become. Right, yeah, yeah. So he's definitely, he definitely got stronger by going through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he was, he like almost didn't make it. Like it, it seemed through like the, the refiner's be- fire. <laughs> yeah, but the beholders seemed to maybe almost like have, like he, he seemed to maybe not even think Fuji would make it out of that. So it was, it was nice to see Fuji prove him wrong there, kind of. Hmm, agreed. And I guess, a little bit on like how he ended up in that cage when he he transformed into that dead priest um yeah that was interesting to see uh and we kind of understand that he can't 
resurrect someone that he hasn't seen while they were alive. You know, he never saw that guy when he right. was alive, so he couldn't take a form, a living form of him. And I think it was Bond who sort of speculated like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, it, it makes sense given the, the kind of rules in this system. Um, right. And I guess it's also probably the first time we see Fuji actually transform his himself into a limp body like that. He has created limp bodies, but not actually transformed himself into one. But I guess it's basically the same thing as turning into a fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Fushi got a horse. Yeah. <laughs> a horse that bit him. Like first impression, <laughs> it just bit him in the leg. <laughs> so, th that horse. Uh -huh. Um, I have a feeling that. <sighs> probably really stupid but hmm? could the horse be Pjorn like like a, a a reincarnated Pjorn and I'm not sure but my reasonings are one they gave importance to wait what's this horse doing here kind of a thing and mm -hmm. and it just it it felt like her or excuse me Fushi picking that horse had more importance than just some random horse now, it could just be because that horse would play a role later on, a bigger role later on. Not sure. Mm. But also, the horse has a little mole on its snout, I thought, a little dot or something. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I think, yeah, I think, I think I remember seeing that, yeah. Didn't, did, doesn't Pjorn have like a mole on her face or did? She probably I don't does. Know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was my thinking. Yeah. Um, obviously, this horse would not have memories of its previous self, but, uh, I'm sure if it's a reincarnation, the will would still be there. So maybe it just was able to sense Fushi's presence and feel a connection there. Maybe, maybe. If it, if it is. Yeah. I mean... Why do you think the horse is important? Why did you bring it up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I, I just thought it was a, was a fun gag, first of all. The first, like, the, the, the fact that Fushi would choose the horse that bit him first thing it did yeah. uh, and 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 also to kind of well to see also how how fuji started to learn how to ride was also an interesting little little bit that we hadn't really seen before since fuji has never really needed or wanted to ride animals mm -hmm. um, but but i think that's a really interesting theory though and i guess remains to be seen potentially if 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 it's ever confirmed like doesn't it that's the interesting thing about this whole this whole Pjorin asking right. to be to be um reborn as something useful to fushi as i think we mentioned back when we talked about volume six like will we ever know will we actually get a like a, a confirmation when we see that mm -hmm. in the story if it gets to that or or will it just be something that is up for interpretation for whichever person or creature that she is reborn as. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it, yeah, it really remains to be seen. <laughs> I mean, it can only be the man in black who can say that, right? I think so. I mean, you look at Bo. You look at Bond's power of being able to see, I guess, the Fi or the, the spirit or whatever. It, but that's only if the if they are dead, and so. Unless the horse dies and he sees Pjorn's fi, but even then, wouldn't it be the shape of a horse now? I, I, 
I don't know. I don't know how that works. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but in, anyways, I, I think it's it's got to be the man in black, the the beholder. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, very interesting theory. So, I guess moving on. Uh, again, in this book, similarly to in the previous one, we saw only March, Gugu, Tunari, and the bear walking with Fushi, uh, as you pointed out when we talked about the previous volume. And Ligard. Uh, oh, and Ligard too. True, true, true. Ligard. Uh, Ligard, Ligard. I, I don't know which is right. Ligard sounds better. It, it, <laughs> I guess so. But anyway, uh, yeah, those, those were the only ones we have seen in the previous one and in this one uh, through Bond's eyes. That Those are the only ones that have been walking with Fuji. So I think having, more, having seen more of it now, um, I think it feels safer to say that it might just actually be those characters or those spirits because hmm. uh, I, I said last time that it might just have been, like everyone else might just be off screen but the fact that these keep being the only ones we see might mean that those are specifically the ones that are there like ah. m- maybe i mean potentially um we we don't even see the wolf or the boy that's true i mean i guess you could argue the boy wouldn't be visible if fushi is in the boy's form right he's the boy form potentially. but not the wolf but right the wolf is i'd say more important than the bear but the bear is still always visible and uh, and Rian and, and and Perona, I think, are also very relevant characters that also should should have been visible. I I, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, it yeah. was like I, I'm pretty sure I was saying this yesterday, mm. <laughs> in that or last time, excuse me, <laughs> yeah. uh, in that their Phi could have passed on to heaven. Um, right. And, exactly. And maybe that's and that's why we only see the you know Gugu and them. But I. But why? Why? Why are they still here? Other than they feel like they need to be there for Fushi, which is admirable. But that's a good reason, you know, I think. <laughs> but you know, Gugu said that he was had no regrets, and, and I don't know. Like, fair, fair. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get more. Yeah. Like on this. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, like I, I guess at least considering the others, if the others aren't there, then. Assuming they have moved on to have so some sort of heaven-like place, I think would make sense. So, uh, do you got anything more on Fushi? Um, I mean, I think we've kind of barely touched on the fact that he's able to reproduce someone's uh, reproduce someone's body, and then yes. the girl comes in and possesses that body. Like that's huge. That that that, that is huge. <laughs> that is massive, actually. I, I didn't didn't I didn't I say something about this last time like yes. like I was thinking like can't I was thinking about what the beholder was saying and and where mm. we were going with the story and, and I just I wonder if it's possible for him to create a body and then have one of those spirits or those five that's around him come come back into it yep now that's, that does seem like it's again it seems like there's there's got to be something that would go wrong with that maybe at least in this kind of a story because i don't know it, oh, it almost seems like too i don't know like too like, ha- happy too perfect, happy ending too happy like. <laughs> that yeah he'd be able to you know create these people's body and then they go back and then he have he has these friends again mm-hmm. um yeah yeah that's that's interesting and like would these people want to come back i mean gugu is like okay hey i'm back i'm glad to help you but love of my life is gone Oh no! Yeah, you know it's like exactly. I, I, March, yeah, bring March back. Let her have an actual, like an actual, uh, 
adulthood, like an actual life. Right. But I don't know. A- anyway, <laughs> we don't even know if that's going to happen or not. But it could. At this point, it feels like a possibility. It, it does. And I think Fushi will find out. Mm-hmm. I think it's only a matter of time. And I think it's one of the themes of, of this volume. Um, basically, the, the truth coming out. Mm-hmm. Well, well. Well, the yeah. truth will come out in the next volume. You know what I mean? Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> we're in this. We're in this one. Well, well yeah, yeah. We don't know, but just the the fact that there's these secrets these people are holding, and they're kind of holding on to it um, in, into the last possible moment. Yeah. Um, and I think once Fushi finds that out, it'll take an interesting turn. And I don't, I don't know if it'd be good or bad. It, the The volume seems to implicate that or at least bone implicates that once he finds once fushi finds out about this that he'll be like the happiest thing alive and then he'll he'll be uh, be be able to be on his own and no one be able to control him or anything like that mm-hmm. but I, part of me wonders if he'll take it take it a certain way i maybe and maybe not in a great way not 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 that he become evil or anything i'm not saying that <laughs> what i'm saying yeah. is maybe Maybe he'd get upset that this whole time he could do something like that, and the band in black didn't tell him. Like he didn't know, and people's families have are dead and gone and everything. So yeah, I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see how he takes it. Definitely, yeah. Uh, one thing that I like to just point out regarding like related to this power though, uh, uh-huh. and actually it might also kind of work with what you speculated earlier about how the the souls that we don't see walking with fuji might have passed on to heaven already and that potentially Mm -hmm. only those that are walking with fuji only those that are visible to bon are the ones who can re-enter a a body um if that's the case then that would explain why in volume i think it was the beginning of volume six Fushi created an empty husk of the boy to fool Hayase. And mm-hmm. obviously that boy didn't wake up and become right. alive again. So that could work oh, with, with, all, with all of this in mind. You know? That's a good connection. <laughs> because, yeah, if the boy was with him, then he'd just be like, hot dog, hop right in. <laughs> yes, um, that voice too. <laughs> hot, that, that voice too. <laughs> Although, can you imagine... Waking up and then Hayase is all over him, like. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I... It's probably a good thing. Good <laughs> thing that didn't happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great point. Great mm. point. Mm. I think that's yeah. I think eventually that's the way the story is going to go. It would not, add up not, if that's boy, the case. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, anything more on Fushi? Just one really minor thing. All right. I, and maybe I should say for random, but I just I just want to get it off my chest already. Do it. The do face it. that he makes as Perona. Yes. The oh my. I know gosh, already which the, one you're talking like, about. Like right, the bone winks winks at him, and he's just kind of sticks his tongue out. He's like head. He's like oh my gosh, <laughs> my heart. I knew I knew you would bring this up. I, I, I <laughs> like I like when I read this volume earlier today. I knew I knew that you would know that. I would bring this up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to see you actually fulfilling my my prediction on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so adorable. It, it is. It's, it's great. so it's so playful. I know. I know. And, I love it too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, okay, Kahaku, 
all your sipping is forgiven. I, 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 I forgive you. I understand. It all makes sense to me. Oh, yes. Yes. Great. And I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um. Is that, is that, is that, that's almost emoji worthy or, or an emote worthy. Come actually, on. actually it is. It is. We, we probably need this on our Discord server too. It would go, it would go great with the want to eat. It really would. <laughs> yeah. It would. Oh my god. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, speaking of Perona simps, sort of. <laughs> moving on to Bon now. Uh, slightly, at least he is. I would say he is he a, has, he's yeah. a. He's a, a sl- slightly Perona simp because he def he made a remark at least on he unliking her form um, mm. early in this volume, uh, which I thought was also. A little bit funny. Uh, obviously, later on in the volume, that doesn't maintain a thing exactly, but it was still fun right. to see that little little hint of, of him at least liking the way she looked. <laughs> well, l- later on, his sister mentions that his type are oh, yeah. kind of small, petite women. Right. And I I guess Perona's figure kind of matches that. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd so. Say. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I think there was some truth in that there, mm-hmm. um, at least at least eye candy purposes. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, like a physical attraction, but probably nothing yeah. more. Yeah, mm. right. Yeah. Uh, and we learn here also that Bond runs his own weekly magazine for the people of the <laughs> country, <laughs> largely what, about oh himself. Oh my gosh, what a great, what a great <laughs> service to your country. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's uh, the equivalent of, like, People Magazine or yeah. some other, like, tabloid <laughs> kind of thing that only talks about the royalty. Right. I mean, this is much more wholesome and less kind of, you know, scandalous headlines kind of a thing. I guess still. so. <laughs> and and you know, he's, he's awarding himself, like, with awards, like, with prizes <laughs> and things through that magazine and... Uh, hey, he awards other people. He does too. He 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 does do that too. But like, it was funny that the first time we saw that award thing, it was for himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, I mean, if he if he's flaunting, if he's like really feeling it, I mean, yeah, go get that award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what's what's cool also is that, despite of how full of himself he is, because he definitely mm-hmm. is, um, the yeah. people still really, really like genuinely like him, like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, everyone him. like from from his soldiers to like the general like like uh, citizen in in the country like everyone really likes him, loves him. It's it's really really cool to see that. Um, He's just so charismatic and mm. people want to follow him. And I, I think that's because he loves them exactly. Uh, and he shows it differently than I'd say his younger brother, who's literally like serving the the poor and giving to charities and whatnot. Mm. And I'm sure the people love him in that in, in a different way. Yeah. Or uh, for a different reason, but he he cares and knows the names uh, as we see uh, of all the soldiers, really. Yeah, and there's a bunch of those soldiers, <laughs> right? And he's distraught when one is missing, and then he he does everything he can to make sure he's okay. Yeah, I think that's this that's the sign of a good leader. Hundred percent, a great leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's full of himself. Like there's there's no there's no <laughs> denying that, but. Mm. He, he just kind of makes it work for him in in a wholesome way. It honestly, yeah, I agree. And you know, like he he probably at least what I imagine is he probably knows 
a decent amount about all of these people too, like not just their names, yeah. but like personal things about them too. I imagine because you know we saw you know some guy showed him a picture of his little son, and like uh-huh. this other guy with like showing off his new hairstyle, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and like the guy with just one leg, like he he knew about that guy and like knew what would happen mm-hmm. with him, and like he really yeah he really knows them all and tries to be a friend to all of them in such a personal way that his brother while he's a surely a great person too he doesn't mm-hmm. really achieve that same personal uh like thing with with the other with, with, with the people as far as we can see as far as we can tell right, I mean, may, right maybe there is some sort of personal thing with the charities or the the people he helps out he serves like maybe he has a personal basis there fair fair but, yeah, I think I guess out of the siblings, we didn't see like he's the one we know the least about. Like, or that's he, true. He has appeared the least. Yeah, mm. that's true. Uh, and yet, despite all the things that he's that he that Bond does, and or all the people that love him, his dad, the king, is still not willing to make him the next heir. Mm. Um, I, to be fair, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Because the qual the qualities of Bone versus the younger brother that I can't I am not bothered to remember the young the name of Torta. <laughs> Torta? Yeah. What a stupid name. I actually funny thing, tor- Torta, like exactly the way it's written, it uh-huh. means cake in Swedish. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's kinda cute. Uh, so like it's easy for me to remember it that way. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well that wow, that's really gonna be easy. Okay. So yeah, I mean the Torta's qualities and, and and Bond's qualities, oh, wow. So Bond, like, Bond is a bonbon, maybe? And then, okay, no, stop. Um, so <laughs> Oh, and Poco is like Coco. Maybe. I mean. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I think there could be something there anyway. Uh, their, their, their personalities are just so different, and one is a little more kingly-like, perhaps, or at least, at least more desirable for a king right. and not so stuck up um well, maybe stuck up or, or into themselves as bone is but you know i say into themselves and it, yes he is he does he does he's very narcissistic but he's <laughs> even when he was spending his allowance for his in frivolous ways he was thinking about his sister he was thinking about his mother he was he's right. thinking about other people yeah yeah it really is and, and it's just his father i guess just doesn't see that yeah, I mean, he, he is quite immature in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. Which I yeah. don't think Torta is. I, I think Torta is definitely more mature in most ways, at least from what we know. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. <laughs> so a, a, a thought did come across my mind as I was reading again. Huh? And, and I thought, what because there's a moment where the the priests of the Church of Bennett come in. And they're like, hey, we're here to take Fushi. Uh, we heard that you guys could get brought in for us. It's like, I didn't say anything. Did you say anything? And King's like, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. and it was, so who who was the person that told them? Or did, did they did they just put their ear to the ground kind of a thing and just heard rumors? Or you mean the church? To read, yeah, the church. Or or did they just hear read the magazine that, <laughs> that uh, Bond passing out? I mean, the magazine uh, is a good uh, possibility, but I, I would also like to point out the fact that there was like a, parade almost when they came back into the city <laughs> you know a lot of people yeah. watched them as they as they rode in so I, I i would assume it's kind of common knowledge or it became common knowledge that fushi was there that's fair but they also did kind of expect that 
Fuji would be handed to them. Mm. Um, and both both Bon and the king didn't seem willing to do so, at least at that point, or that they had any intentions. So it does make me wonder if someone told them or had inquired of them. And then and then I thought, well, what if what if the younger brother was secretly like asking them to come there? Oh. And I guess this sort of portrayal there, but that sort of plot twist or reveal doesn't really go in line with how the story I feel it deals with plot twists or or uh, plot threads. Mm. You know, it it does seem like most people in this world, aside from those who are more antagonistic, are generally good people and and wholesome and don't have these kind of Dark yes, there are evil people, but mm-hmm. at least those within the main cast and everything, it, it doesn't seem like there's too many people who are just willing to ruin someone's life like that. I, yeah. I don't know. Just so mm-hmm. it's not it's not a guess that I'm at all confident with. Just kind of like a what if maybe right. that could happen, uh, and that would give the torta a little more story relevancy, mm. but. Uh, yeah, that's not something I'm confident about. Just want to throw it out there. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, as we talked earlier a little bit about the whole thing about Bond learning about the fact that Fuji can revive people, or at least people that he has seen when they were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding that, I think you know it's it's clearly for selfish reasons that Bond doesn't want to tell Fuji about it because he right. he wants to continue being with Fuji. He doesn't want Fuji to leave him for his other friends or his older friends. And mm-hmm. and later on, when Bon is approached by the high cleric Silira, and, you know, he's mm-hmm. offered that deal, or, well, it's really, he's really being tricked or being threatened, rather. But right. it's, it's, it's proposed as a deal. Um, bon does agree to it, but I... The way I, I view this is really that he, he's really only agreeing to it because his family and his people and his country was on the line. Like, he had all of that on the line in that moment through that threat. So that, that was why he he handed them Fushi, or he, he, he expressed that he was okay with them taking Fushi only because of that. Mm-hmm. I think if it wasn't for that, I you know, he, he wouldn't have have wanted to to give up Fushi like that. Uh, I think he even has the, like when we follow his uh, thought process a little bit during that scene, he even starts questioning the fact that he was sort of abusing Fushi or using Fushi for his own gain by not telling Fushi about the the resurrection abilities. Um, right. So I think in that moment, he really, I, I mean, he was clearly conflicted but both both the fact that he well that I don't think he would have done that if the circumstances hadn't been as dire as as cleric Celera made it out to be, but also that he he may have even started to sort of backpedal on his original actions of not uh, of not telling Fushi about about those powers. Uh, so so hopefully soon he will tell him about that because now they are reunited at the end of this by the end of this book. Um, right. And, but because he really was threatened by the cleric, as as Iris pointed out, like 
he definitely just bought into the church's threats in that moment. Yeah. I, I don't blame I don't blame him too much for making the mistakes or or making the choice he did. Mm-hmm. I think that because he had kept that secret from Fushi for so long and that he's had this this goal or this desire to use Fushi so he could become king, uh, he felt he did feel guilty mm-hmm. about uh, making that sort of decision and didn't necessarily realize he was being threatened the way he was maybe right um but yeah i i think for sure he'll eventually tell the truth i I don't think his purposes are solely uh selfish i I think it may start it definitely started out that way uh uh, mostly selfish Mm. toward towards the beginning of the entrance to into the story but i think over time um, I think over time he's maybe maybe realized that there are things that are more important in life, um, hmm. or, or or and also what it means to be a king, and and rule over or rule over people. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I just right. I guess I'm just talking out. <laughs> no, talking but I, I think I think I think you're right, and I think especially it was during his time when he was imprisoned you know, toward the end of this book when he had time to do a lot of thinking that he hadn't really done before that probably. And I think yeah. he definitely grew as a person during that time. Like, um, and, and actually speaking of that part of the story regarding him, I love how they could see each other's shadows there and like the cages, just like mm-hmm. in the story in the book that Kahaku recommended to Fushi about the people right. who were crucified uh, was a really nice little little reference to that uh, and actually the final page of that book like the story in this story the final page of that was featured as a bonus page between two of the chapters by the way in the physical volume oh uh, the final page of the novel in the story yes exactly oh is a spoiler <laughs> uh no, 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 it's not. It's not really. Uh, it, it it doesn't. I don't I don't think it adds too much, but I thought it was a nice little thing to have there. Um, it's it basically tells like it, it's a man and a woman. I think they're both crucified. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. the woman stops responding to the man. After a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And. uh and he doesn't really understand why. He, I guess he he can't accept the fact that she had passed away at that point. And then, at like, sometime after that, he can't see the shadow of her cross anymore. So, you know, she had been taken away. And mm. they were, like, the last her last words to him had been something along the lines of, like, I hope we can see each other again sometime. And then, mm. so sort of the very end is, like, he's just, well, he dies. And... Yeah, that that is sort of visualized or symbolized in the text by him falling out of the cross, or like kind of slipping out of the ropes, and being free. No. Oh. Hmm. So I guess they they got to be with each other in the afterlife. Hopefully, I mean this is just a story within a story. So. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but but it was still nice. I thought to have that there. But putting putting that that page thing aside, I. 
I had I had taken note of of this uh, novel and how there was this the shadows and they saw the two shadows, mm-hmm. but I didn't really think too much about it until the second read through, mm. because during the first read through you, you see obviously that there's a shadow there uh, of uh, Bone and and Chabi and uh, Toto there, um, and so. I, I, at that point, I didn't think of it, but the second read through is like, oh, that they're connecting it that way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but I, I think that that's definitely a, a, a symbolism in, in sort of kind of a romantic way of uh, the, the romance in that, and potentially the romance that could happen here. Yes, absolutely, definitely, I think so for sure. Especially since we know that Iris is in love with the, uh, with bond yeah so <laughs> yeah so and and if if the story like if the actual to your eternity story is anything like the story within the story then <laughs> i guess it i guess we shouldn't be surprised if that is the case <laughs> right i yeah i was, I was, say, I was gonna say this for iris's part but uh. um i think that the fact that we don't see iris at all it does make me wonder if either either she dies before they can really see uh, see each other, uh, or Bond can understand who 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 she is, mm. um, kind of tragically like that, or I don't know if something else bad happens. Right. I, I don't know, like it, because it's kind of setting up for some somewhat of a grand reveal that oh she's you know thin and recognizable now oh my gosh it's you right and that that would be great but this is also to your eternity and i don't know <laughs> if that sort of reveal matches although if it happens oh my gosh yes i i will eat it up <laughs> i know you would <laughs> but it's yeah it's almost like it's almost like something bad's gonna happen and maybe she was so malnutrition not malnourished that she dies or mm. um she when they have to when they have to take the people out maybe something happens with the weight balances and fushi's not able to save her i don't know Mm. know. yeah it could be could be rough (laughs) or nothing happens Uh, right (laughs) and that would be that would be great (laughs) yeah uh but i guess a little bit back to to bond so there's there's a I guess, at least from what I can recall just right now, there were three instances throughout this book when he was around at the same time as the Beholder was around. And yeah. what I thought was kind of interesting in re- regarding that was the first time Bond didn't really seem to see or hear him at all. Like, he was, like, faced the wrong way when he was trying to communicate with him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, even though he's supposed to see everything. Like, at least that's kind of his ability you know he can even see these all these spirits but at least based on the first interaction there he couldn't see the beholder but then the second time uh when the beholder warned fushi about the knocker attack in the village it seemed initially like bon had had heard him right then he explained that it was because he could tell from fushi's face expression Mm -hmm. so that that still didn't exactly show anything really that he could actually see or hear the beholder but then there was that last time after anna the girl had had 
come back to life. Mm-hmm. There, like when he was walking down the stairs, I think, at least it looked very much like they definitely he definitely was looking at the beholder in that moment. Right, you could see him then. I I'm quite sure. Yeah, I, I, w- I was curious to hear hear how you would take because that's that that third moment is like wait, it seems like he's very much trying to talk with him like and and as as if he can see him right i wonder if the if the man in black has ever really given him the time of day mm. per se but still it's yeah it's it's interesting um and and kind of vague yeah but i i, I feel the same way that he is able to see him and we'll see if that plays any any sort of role going forward for sure and it also makes me wonder if he was actually faking it both of those first times like that he actually did see and hear him both of the like the entire time but that he oh, I, pretended I not so. to yeah I, I think so as well uh I, I also wanted to know, just kind of get your take on that but yeah i i think it's because well one he, he's probably trying not to make his powers obvious mm. uh or at least too obvious and it's all it's also what the the training he's gone through his whole life really in, and not being allowed to talk about those spirits. Exactly. Uh, so I, I think that it plays, plays a factor in, in it as well. For sure. Yeah. So anything more on Bon? So he mentions how March would have liked to grow with grown with Fushi, uh, when Fushi turns into March and he picks her off of the tree. Yeah. Uh, and it feels, it feels like, He's spoken to March before, and I wonder how many of the other people, other spirits around uh, Fushi, he's spoken to, besides Tonati, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, that could be could be more than we know. And then, and then I think the last thing I'll say about Bone it t- ties in with uh, kind of the, another theme of this volume, and I, I briefly mentioned it, but both him and Iris have a truth that they are hiding. And they believe it's their, well, they want to hide it because it would, could ruin their good luck. Mm. And luck seems to be that theme that kind of goes through. And a few people mention this luck. Right. Um, and even, even Bond says, says it to March that you're a lucky girl, March. Um, yeah. When she's like next to the doll. And it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting that the, the, the luck is a theme there, and is is the next theme of the volume uh, volume nine is that the luck running out? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that that would be pretty good. Or um, I don't know. It, it's inter- it's just interesting to see that that theme carry on and how both Bon and, and Iris have this uh, secret they're holding because of that. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, moving on to Kahaku. What a simp! Uh, he is. He all is. he all he's doing is simping. That's all he's doing. <laughs> but you know what I thought was really nice to see was uh, in the beginning of this book when I, I feel like he's such a good guy when he was like he was looking away the moment Bond's servant started undressing Fushi. When oh yeah, sure. In, looking away, you know, he puts his hand over his face, but you know he's he actually see he can see through his hand. You, he can see through his fingers. <laughs> looking between his fingers. <laughs> Yeah. You think he's he like, was? Oh no. You think oh, he was? Oh, don't do that. 
No. Oh, no. they're so in Mars. <laughs> you know, I think he would absolutely love to see her that way. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but I do, I do choose to think that he is such a good and innocent boy that he would, he wouldn't, he would resist it. He wouldn't look. <laughs> That's what I choose to believe. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it could, it could be just a a dueling wants. You know, like. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, I don't want to do it, but also I kind of want it. I, oh, yeah. I kind of want to see. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely wants it. <laughs> uh. Well, it's like it's like he can't control the urge to simp for Fushi. And yeah. then seeing, and, and, but he was able to do it a bit when Fushi was just the boy. But the moment he transformed into a woman, that was kind of the trigger. You know, yeah. seeing Whammon, he's like, oh, my gosh. I have these urges. <laughs> yeah, Hayas's will became a bit too strong, at like from that point on, pretty much. Right. Yeah, and so I think it's a struggle for him to just control that. For it sure, gets, it gets out of hand at that at the one point after the hug. Absolutely. Yeah, like he, like I, I felt very sorry for him. Um, you know, during the times when. Fushi, there were there was at least two, maybe three times in this book, but at least two, when Fushi came up to Kahaku and kind of asked him questions about love, just just kind of out of the blue came up and just asked mm. quite very very kind of sensitive questions like that, and for us as the readers, knowing how he feels about Fushi, mm. that's got to be so conflicting and and just painful. Uh, yeah, for him. true. Like, true. Def- definitely, I think he he's definitely in pain from being in love, uh, and and in those moments especially. So I I really I really felt for him in those scenes. Yeah, particularly when Fushi asked, "Does pain hurt?" Or not pain? Does does love hurt or something mm-hmm. like that? And, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yes, yes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was so. Oh, that was so good. That was so well kind of portrayed. In the in the book there, I loved that part. Yeah. Oh, oh, Kahaku. But you know, then eventually he he does propose to Fushi, and <laughs> and and then you know, really just goes off the deep end, and right. That was a little bit disturbing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, you know, it's not him. It's not or it's not. It is him. It, it is him. Well, it is him. But <laughs> he he is reincarnated. His the will is reincarnated into him exactly but Hayase is is part of him to to say that it's out of his control is almost not correct it's just who who he is um although that although I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like he can't change or he can't control but I I think that to say that oh that's Hayase it's not entirely accurate because well no well it is it is Hayase (laughs) like he is Hayase well, just he, but he's also his own person. I think as a person, he is completely his own. But 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 as we have said, like her will is there, and I think if if her will hadn't been implanted into him the way it has been through this reincarnation thing, he wouldn't have those urges. At least not. Well, he wouldn't exist. Well, um. Well. He, because well, as far as we understand, it's the phi, like literally the phi, the spirit that's being re-implanted each time. And it's not the memories that get that get 
carried on. It's the will that get carried on. Yeah, but we well, we don't know exactly how the Yanome are performing this reincarnation thing, how, like, how that works exactly. Because with the Hayase line, it's really a special case. Like, it's the only instance we know of where this is a thing. That's a good point. I didn't, so, think, I didn't think that... I guess I didn't think about how are they actually doing this right. other than they just tell each other, okay, you know... <laughs> But yeah. Re- wish really hard so that your granddaughter will have uh, <laughs> my will or something. I don't know. Right. Right. Exactly. So that that is unclear exactly how that functions. I think regardless of the reincarnation thing, if Hayase and her descendants would have just kept on having kids, having children, and kept their line going, Kahaku would have been born just the same eventually, but just without that without Hayase's reincarnated phi in him. Uh, although this is really a very what if kind of thing. But but yeah, I would definitely say it's it's because of her being reincarnated in his body, or her will anyway, that, that he does go off the deep end like he did in this book. Otherwise, he definitely wouldn't have, I don't think. So I, I, I feel sorry for him in that way. Like, I wish, you know, I... I it, it's it's got to be torturous for him, and and also as you know he he sincerely apologized afterwards. Well, that's true too. He, he genuinely too. felt like a fool in that moment, and yeah. So I don't share exactly the same sympathy. I feel a little bit bad for him that he wasn't able to control himself, but at the same time, there's consequence to your actions, and I I think that. I mean that's just he exists because because of the will of Hayase and that's just part of him. Um, and so I guess he had just like, just like the, uh, his arm, the, um, the knocker in his arm, he has to learn to control that urge. And I think out of anybody we've seen from the Hayase line so far, he seems the most capable of being able to control that. Yeah. Um, and he had, he had a slip up there. Understandable. Uh, Prona was looking mad cute. <laughs> I, I, you know, no, don't blame him. Uh, or I guess Fushi was looking mad cute, but yeah. So I, but but I think, I, like you said, he apologized, he reflected, and I, I, I don't think this would be too much of an issue going forward, if if at all. Um, it may, there may be there may be moments. There, there could be there could be more moments, <laughs> yeah. but well, it definitely won't ca- catch me off guard at all. But what one thing that I that I really like about Kahaku is. He learns, or he he'll talk about some of the the pa- the past of the guardians, like how they how they stole stole the diary, yeah, from Tonari, and Fushi will exclaim, "What? It's like, what are you guys doing? You stole that? You stole that from Tonari? You stole that from me?" And uh, gets upset, and he's like, "I didn't I didn't realize that that wasn't me," and he feel he feel but he feels repentant. He feels mm. I almost feel like he regrets his ancestors what they did. And then the same thing happens again when he finds out, finds out that Hayase was the one that murdered Perona. Yeah. And you you really you kind of really feel feel that the the regret and disgust with himself um, and his, and I guess his ancestors. Yeah. So in that sense, I I feel like he's able to reflect and understand his history better and maybe it may be for the better 
uh, and maybe maybe make the Guardians a little less sketchy. I hope so. I absolutely hope so. Uh, and I agree. Like compared to his predecessors, he is definitely better, <laughs> M- much better, I'd say. And although still not, still not ideal or whatever. But but it mm-hmm. is as as I talked about. Like he he really has been put in a shitty situation, both with Hayase's will being within him and with that knocker being in his arm like he yeah, had the two, knocker in his arm, two things that really just weigh him down or just make his life more difficult than it could have been but i i love i love him like i actually on my first read through of the of these first 12 books last year i i don't know i i don't know if i had like too much of an opinion on kahaku necessarily but right uh-huh. now, I'm absolutely loving him, like, so much. Really? Yeah, like, he's uh-huh. one of my favorites. <laughs> Probably my absolute favorite in this part of the story right now. At least out of what? the... Like, n- not counting Fushi, but, like, out of these current characters that were introduced here, like, in the previous book in this one, uh-huh. he, I think he's my number one. <laughs> I absolutely I, love him. I'm going to have to strongly disagree because Bone <laughs> is here. And Bone is amazing. But Bone is and, amazing. <laughs> and so, I don't know, like, I... Kahaku is, is great, um, and I like his character, and he's so much better than all the, the, you know, thirsty women that came before him. <laughs> but I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. I guess, lack of a better word, fallen in love with his character. You know. Fair. Yeah. Uh, totally. I haven't really found anything besides he's just a good guy, deep down, to really, um, I guess, attach to him, mm. or, or uh, yeah, be. be I guess excited to even see his character. Ah, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. Whereas Bowen, like, you get his whole backstory, and <laughs> you just see how a wholesome person he is, and he's all the funny moments with him. I, I, I think he's just so much going for him that I'm so surprised that you would you would say you like Kahaku better. Something must happen going forward, <laughs> uh, like that. Well, obviously, you don't get details, or I'm not saying it's necessarily like death or something, but uh-huh. just something something narratively wise must happen to make. To make you, to make you say that, but um, again, don't, don't go ahead. Right. Well, don't, don't I, say it. Of course, of course. And and although, like, I, I would probably like, I'm really trying to just look at these two books when I made that statement. So, mm-hmm. uh, right. Yeah. Right. It's right. really how uh, I feel right now. Seven and eight. Um, mm-hmm. Although Bon is a close second, I really what I think is so cool about both of those two characters, Kahaku and Bon, is that they are like there's such interesting characters in the sense that they. They have both good and bad inside them, both of the both of them, ah, in mm. in completely different ways, of course. But I love both of them for those reasons, and I think that's I think they are so well written in in that regard. Yeah, and and I want to I want to state that I think I think Kahaku is pretty pretty well written. Mm. Again, I haven't he I haven't gotten excited to see him in the story per se, but I, I think he's a well written character. His how he gets comes into the story and the the whole backstory with the Hayase lineage and mm. and the guardians is, is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, anything more on Kahaku? No. All right, then we have mostly smaller characters left, but uh, let's talk a bit more about Iris, perhaps, if we have anything that we didn't mention when we talked about her earlier. Uh, obviously, she's in love with Bon, uh, mm-hmm. and. A, Perhaps she's a bit too keen on doing 
literally anything for him. <laughs> I, 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 like, I think that's probably a bit unhealthy. Yeah, I don't. Th- well, I don't think she prizes herself too much. No. Um, well, I mean, when when we see her in the story, which is back in in volume uh, seven, right, where does doesn't he sit on her? But it's just such a nonchalant thing that we. <laughs> That it's not even touched on. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I feel like at one point he sat on her while he had captured Fushi. Right. Um, you, you're probably right. But, but uh, the fact that she's, she gained so much weight so much before and that um, Bond didn't even recognize her as a female, Yeah. I think that just kind of maybe degraded her self-worth a little bit. Yeah. And so she was just willing to do anything for bond to at least um recognize her it's yeah. still a, I, I agree it's unhealthy it, right. it's unhealthy it is yeah and, and it's it's very sad yeah and like for her to pretend to be a boy for for that long just just to get closer to bond and in this like second half of this book you know she even took a sword to the gut to defend him dang man <laughs> like yeah dang and then, of course, at the end, she lost all that weight when they were imprisoned. So, yeah. I mean, uh, okay, so to me, it's obvious she's the girl that's that sewed that thing, mm-hmm. or at least has relation to that girl who sewed that thing so uh-huh. so many years ago. Yeah. Um, I just, I wonder why she was there. Like, why why she was just chilling there at the castle, sewing something. Um, maybe her parents maybe were working there, or... Right. I don't know. Like, it, it's... It's kind of strange because then uh, she gains all this weight. Did the parents get a good job? <laughs> it's, she, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. I, I kind of hope we see more about about her. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I hope it's not done yet. Because you know how I was saying that maybe she ends up uh, too malnourished and, and could die there? Yeah. I mean, that would be tra- tragic. But I, it almost, it would it would be sad. I, I may have a little bit of... Of a of a sad moment there, but yeah, I think it could be even better if we got if we understand more about who she is. Absolutely. She <laughs> Although to be fair, we could learn more about her after she dies. Yeah. Hypothetically, I know. Um, and I know. if she does die from literally starving to death here, I mean that would make sense considering mm-hmm. all of that weight that she lost. First of all, mm-hmm. and it would also mirror the story within the story, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, just saying but but yeah like uh, assuming you're correct about her being that child from from when Bon was a kid mm-hmm. then I think as it, as they said it in that backstory in the previous volume she appeared in the castle three days a week if I remember correctly so oh so then I think that could work with your with what you suggested that maybe she has maybe maybe she had a parent maybe who who worked there a few days a week and she would have to, you know, come along perhaps, you know, hmm. could, could, could make sense. I really hope she doesn't die in the cage before seeing bone again. I really hope so too. Definitely. Ah, stupid story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything more on Iris or Toto? A great, uh, weight loss scheme. Like great. <laughs> I mean, she should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> you get imprisoned for, Three weeks and don't eat anything. <laughs> it is it is a bit it is a bit much. 
how, how much weight she loses in just three weeks. Or, or however, I, I don't know if it was three weeks, but it said at least that Fushi had been in prison for a few weeks. I think right, right. The, I I, fe- I mm. feel like it would take a few months at least. Yeah. Maybe maybe she wasn't as fat as as, as the drawing made it out to be, but I don't know. True. If you're like 200 pounds or something like that, you know. Maybe she just was wearing very very baggy clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Potentially. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but but yeah, I mean I I agree I agree. But then again, it's a it's a story. So. It's a story. Yeah. <laughs> So, That's all yeah. I got. All right, then. Let's move on to the Beholder himself. He says that Fushi will be given freedom after successfully achieving all of his goals. And yeah. that that was interesting in and of itself, but I also enjoyed kind of Bond's comment on that when he sort of questioned mm-hmm. his use of words and said that, that it was very vague. It was very vaguely put. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how truthful that is and like to what extent that freedom will be if and when Fuji might right. reach that goal. Yeah, you yeah, you wonder, like, because they asked, because Bon asked what the reward would be, and he says freedom. and So it just makes you wonder, like, what in what kind of context could that be? Is it freedom that he'll be able to pass on into heaven, like, all his friends? Mm-hmm. Is that even possible for Fuji? Does he have a... a a fi like that like I, I, maybe i don't know right but then again we're, de- we're dealing with this immortal being so perhaps death is not r- really the, the freedom that he would be able to get i i don't know it's i guess there's no point in thinking of it too much right now because it is so vague true um, true <laughs> what what i was so interested in is kind of how bon really reacts towards the man in black Mm. Um, and how he he kind of implies that unless he hears more about him and Fuji's situation, he won't he won't know if if the beholder is friend or foe. Like even in some yeah. ways that he could be a villain, you know. True, true. Yeah, and I I, I do like that skepticism in Bond yeah. in, in regards to the beholder because t- I think he's he's not wrong to doubt him. You know, all things yeah. considered, and Fuji himself isn't completely fond of the beholder either yeah. of course oh yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> so yeah yeah so so much mystery still and might be too early to ask a lot of these questions but still interesting to think about yeah um my last thing on the beholder is just i wanted to point out how much of a jerk he was when fushi was being drenched in molten iron and he oh, started gosh. he started counting the seconds for him and and much later, like after he started counting, he started kind of one, two, three, four, five, and then it just kind of cut off. And then it comes back, like at a later point in the book, and he says like some really high number. I can't remember the number right now, but I mm-hmm. calculated it into hours, and it was like thirty-one hours and something. And so he had been counting the seconds for thirty-one hours straight, supposedly. <laughs> uh, it's just so rude, so mean. Yeah. Not cool move by him. No. Totally not cool. <laughs> Do you got anything more on him? Yeah, so I wonder if... Well, it seems to apply that the Beholder knew Fushi could bring back life um, and that he withheld mm. that information from Fushi. At least that's what Bone seems to be implying. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that that seems like the case. Yeah. So why 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 does he need to hide that? I I think it could be that Fushi needs to learn for that himself in order for him to grow, and that could be a reason. It also could be that mm. if he knew he could just bring people back to life, that well, well he wouldn't he wouldn't grow. He wouldn't um, maybe try to do difficult things per se. Uh, and maybe he would rely on people too much, which I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's an extreme. But again, the beholder thinks differently, a bit differently than Fushi does at the, at the moment. So yeah, no, I I think I think both of those uh, like reasons are are good ones. I I I think both of them could actually be completely what what the beholder is thinking, and also like if Fushi did know about it. And, you know, and, and if he would use it to bring people back to life, then presumably he wouldn't be able to take those forms himself anymore. Mm. And that would uh. restrict him. And maybe mm. the Beholder wouldn't want that, perhaps. Oh, okay. Like, let, let's say he would, if he would re be able to bring Gugu back to life, then maybe he wouldn't be able to transform into Gugu anymore himself. Mm. Although, of, of course, we can't know for sure. But... Yeah, just speculating yeah. there. Good point, good point. So, all right. So there's just a few very even more minor characters that I guess I, I got left here. Um, okay. So Poco. Yeah. The, the sister, the princess. Uh, so I, I don't like the way she speaks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like it. <laughs> you don't uh, think it's cute? Uh, I mean, I guess at first, but it got a little old <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but she's cute, though. She is. No, I I agree. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's you know, it's kind of maybe a little too much. Uh, uh, it's it's fun. I did not expect her to be a stowaway on this trip. Right. But, or, or quote unquote stowaway. I mean, she's like in this barrel the whole time rolling around <laughs> or like walking around. Yeah. And Bond doesn't even know that she's there. <laughs> Apparently. Like, like. He makes he makes no acknowledgement that she's there, and maybe that's the point. Yeah, I think she told them not to tell him too. Yeah. So right. That that is kind of funny. <laughs> Apparently, she gets bored easily, and that's why she decided to join. Yeah, on. but even then, she's bored when she's, you know, yeah. out on the adventure <laughs> or on the journey. So when she says when she first joins joins them, like she says that she's bored and. She looks. She kind of glances over at Kahaku and the Guardians. I don't know if it's because of them per se, or if it's just what they're doing right now is more interesting than what's happening at the castle. Mm -hmm. But it could be interesting to see if that goes anywhere. Absolutely. So next one, Chabo, a little bit the bald little boy. Oh, okay. Um, you know his his mother is dead. As you mean, Bond you mean could... the the weight. That, yeah yeah oh gosh That's yeah so it was su such a dark realization when when bond kind of understood that you know yeah because they obviously they wouldn't put a boy there just for having stolen like a piece of bread or or i guess at, at first it seemed that way and, and i guess i just accepted right, it because like oh I, they're, I guess they're just that brutal but then it mm -hmm. made more sense than when bond realized that like shit that's why mm -hmm. he's here that that was really dark i thought really tragic and the fact that they killed his mother over all of that as well yeah 
and and also seeing him collect all these pieces of bread for his mother, like uh-huh. over the over the days that they spent there. So sad. So sad. I really hope he makes it out of this and is able to live a good life yeah. after this. Really, really, really hope so. He he does not deserve anything bad. No. <sighs> so last character that I have noted down here anyway is High Cleric Celira of the Church of Bennett. Who? <laughs> yeah, like what's his name again? <laughs> What's his name again? <laughs> I love how Bond never could remember the name. <laughs> it is a, it is a hard name to remember. I always had to read it, like to look at my notes here to see what, yeah, yeah. what was the name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what did I have to say about him? I guess he was sort of the villain of this book, um, although not mm, very yeah. present. You know, he wasn't right, there right. All, like too much, but still appeared a little bit throughout. And what I thought was kind of funny was that by the end of the book, he thinks that he's the winner. Right. But little does he know. <laughs> oh. oh, oh. Uh, I wonder if that statue that or that that iron maiden kind of a, a kind of a look yeah. is going to end up being anything going forward. Like right. maybe like someone erects it as a statue to yeah, it looks Fushi cool. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. For sure. But... I think it makes sense that we would get a church of some kind to resent Fushi, yeah. you know, a, a being who is more or less godlike in, yeah. in, in, in the fact that he's immortal. So I think that would definitely go against something that a religion is teaching, hmm. unless, unless they were, the, you know, the religion of Fushi. Yeah. Um, the Guardian's like, dibs! <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there was a line that he mentions uh, saying that if the Lord did not abandon you, the child would be saved. Oh, yeah. Now, he says that, and it leads into the line that says, Fushi did not abandon them. And it, uh, like, it's so powerful. In, at least in my mind, it's powerful that, like, implicating that Fushi is their Lord. Oh, I, I did, honestly, I did not actually pick up on that, but that is... That's a great catch. I really catch. like that. I, dude, I love it too. I don't too. know if that's what she meant. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure she been. wanted to have a connection like, or, or a, a transition like that. Mm. I don't know if it means anything greater going forward, but I, I love, right. I love that page turn. Right. It must have, it must have been an intentional detail. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel, obviously, I didn't pick up on it when I read it, but I, 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 I love that too. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> that's so cool. So cool. Yeah. So, any other characters? That you want to talk about? I don't have any of the characters, but I have some random stuff. Let's go into the random stuff. Woo! Uh, I like how they use birds as telephones, recorders, or yes. microphones, whatever. Yeah, that's really that, that's cool. So, that's so strange, <laughs> but also, I guess, clever if these birds are, like, pitch perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah, like parrots. I, 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 th- that, that's something yeah. I look forward to hearing, like, uh, if, if they do a season two of the anime. I, I can't wait to see yeah. that. Like oh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so speaking speaking of that, I feel like I I know the best person to play Bone because you know you know oh. how much I like Bone. So I obviously I was like <laughs> I, I think I got the best person besides me, obviously. <laughs> of course. Um, but no, the the best person is the guy who does Okabe Rintaro. Yes. Science Gate, Miyano Mamoru. Right. Yeah. 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 Doesn't he also do Light Yagami in Death Note? Yes, he does actually. Right, I I think I, I dude, yeah, I can totally see it. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I I I think he would be perfect for this role because, 
one one he's a very diverse uh, vocal range and an actor, but I think yeah. he could he can nail kind of the poshness of Bon, but I also completely. bring in some really uh, th- those those serious moments that that Bon has where he's just contemplating and thinking. <laughs> yes, um, yes. So I I think it'd be perfect. Maybe maybe they want to give a, a newer actor the the role, but I mm. I think he'd be perfect. He would be completely. <laughs> I can only agree with that. <laughs> Nice. So here's hoping if we get a season two. Right. Yeah. I really hope we do, especially considering yeah. how amazing this current first season is. It was. It was so good, or is so good. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's they really they really nailed it. So so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I say to the pronos cube, but we we already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder who's the bigger simp, Kahaku or James? <laughs> uh, <laughs> battle to this uh, to the death, simp battle. <laughs> Look, I I didn't in a previous life kill Perona. I mean, True. or at least my my ancestor didn't. True. You know, so it, it, I got that going for me. You got an advantage there. <laughs> um, I, I like how uh, is it? How do you say your name? P- Poco or Poco? Uh, I say Poco because it's spelled like Coco. So I just like except for the first letter, it's spelled like Coco. So I say Poco. I can get behind that. Mm. Uh, I just like how she's always, she tells someone to do something and she like threatens them with killing. It, I think it's it's really a joke. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I think it's funny. It's cute too. <laughs> yeah. And I think Bond did something similar. He said sort of the same thing, I think, at one point in this volume earlier. Oh, did he? <laughs> I think. So it, it might just be a family thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, cha- the chair scene with Toto, Fushi, and, and, and well, Fushi yelling, yelling at Bond. Mm. about Toto loving him or it's like you can't do that uh i just thought that the whole scene was really awkward and funny yeah. because that moment you're, you're thinking because you I, i'll be honest and I, I didn't mention this in our discussion i did think that Toto was a guy like it was surprising for me that Toto ended up being a girl was that surprising to you or or um did, did you see it coming no i don't think i saw that coming obviously it's been a right? while but i don't remember i saw that coming I, I really didn't. Mm. I, I for some reason I was just said as like oh it's a guy. I, right. I really I really bought into it. Yeah yeah. And so that's the whole scene was just pretty f- funny and awkward to begin with. And he's like oh I'm not into men and you know you're you're, you're demoted to the sock. Yeah. <laughs> the sock thing. And Kahaku's <laughs> comment is like isn't that better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well you know I mean physical contact is always better than sock duty. So just Fair. to say. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So, but I guess just real quick, I, I that was a really well hidden reveal. I think the fact that um, Toto was actually a girl, mm. and it was actually Iris, and and I think that uh, she did a good job of making the reader believe that this was just a, you know, kind of a guy likes a guy kind of a kind of a situation. Totally. And it really it really caught me off guard, and I was really surprised. Yeah. Yeah, like suddenly, like there, there's this guy who calls her Iris, and it's like, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> exactly. So uh, I thought that was well done, and and it leads to this the the whole the the girl at the castle sewing thing. I I hope. Yeah. Uh, I think it will lead to that very well. It it makes sense. It seems very possible at this point. Yeah. Um. Oh, the scene where Kahaku conf- or well actually proposes to Fushi. Yeah. Uh, and Bon kind of walks in on that, right? And so, so he, first off, he just walks in. He's like, "Ooh!" 
and then he and then in the next chapter he's like has a th- tea to drink or he's like pouring himself tea and just like intently listening and then he has like cookies there as it's getting heated i just his reaction just made it even even more funny just yeah, progressively like, that, that, that was great it. yeah watching him observe so that good. i can't i can't wait to see that <laughs> yeah anime. and he had like a servant there too that was yes like, holding the tray of the <laughs> cookies and he was always watching he was he like was, oh. yeah he was like looking too like oh what's going on <laughs> and then finally just the line from bon to fushi and i'm paraphrasing a bit a bit here but why are you so special because you can mm. share with the people around you. Exactly. Uh, I think that's truly what makes someone special. Yeah. And I thought that was also really nice to see that, to, 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 for, for this volume to call back to that, since that was one of, one of the first things that Bond said to Fushi, at least like in a, like a serious conversation between the two. Mm. Uh, so that, like in the previous book. So I thought that was definitely very nice and very true words too and it's what it's what tonari said to him when he was a kid or roughly anyway so yeah wise words indeed yeah so i guess that brings us to the end of the discussion yeah you said at the beginning that this might be one of your favorite to your eternity books ever like i'm just curious to like kind of hear what what specifically were like the things that made you really really love this book uh so to me, it's just well, Bond's character for one. Oh yeah. But uh, also just seeing their journey and Fushi understanding more about what it is to be human. You know what it means to fall in love, mm. and um, just kind of the the reveals that were in here. You know, Todax being Iris. Um, I guess that was only a big reveal, wasn't it? Uh, but still, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, we we had also the whole thing about Fushi actually does have the ability to bring people back to life. Oh yeah, that was a huge reveal. Oh. <laughs> that was massive. Yeah. So that that was that was that was a huge reveal. So I I think overall it it was just a very um, exciting novel where a lot of where where last last novel it, it was so fast paced and well I or at least like the the, mm. the time just kept, kept going quickly and quickly. Right. And so a lot a lot happened there. Mm. But here time doesn't progress as quickly and yet we still get a lot of good character moments and we're able to really grow with the characters here. Yeah. And because I like them so much, it just puts it higher up on the list for me. It, it doesn't beat three and four. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, Those are hard to beat. It, it could be my top three. Sweet. Awesome. I, yeah. Nice. I'm really happy to hear that. And I mean, I, I, I absolutely loved it too. I, I think it might not be as, uh, as high up my list if I, if I would put together one for like all the volumes, but Still, of course, very much, very much loved it, uh, naturally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sweet. Great discussion. Uh, I loved having this talk. And so I guess that's it for this week. Get ready for pain. <laughs> yes. Get ready for pain and sadness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Brace yourself. <laughs> but hey, you know <laughs> no. what to expect at this point. I you, know. You, you're I know. eight volumes into this series. You know what I you've know. gotten yourself into. <laughs> Uh, you know what I? I blame myself. I blame myself. That's all I'm gonna say. Although I blame myself. Really, it's my fault for getting you into this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> blame Petter. Blame me. <laughs> never, yeah. never speak to me ever again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I forgive you. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Wave of emotions there. <laughs> yeah, that, good. You you, you gotta get gotta let it flow. 
Uh, <laughs> well, on that note, I think that is it for this week. If you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga, and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by either rating our show on the podcast platforms or subscribing to our channel Umami Manga on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it around with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time when we'll talk about Volume 9. Bye-bye! Woo! See you later! I nailed that final bit of the outro. I know. I was thinking that too. It was like, oh, nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>